Mother. I know Julie loved me once. I know it as fact, like the warmth of sunshine on my skin. We met at our university's freshman mixer, and afterward became lovers. I'll never forget the first time I saw her. Such an innocent, pale face. Her dress, simple and used, was patterned with brown leaves that matched her wide hazel eyes. So large and hopeful, you wondered how something so fragile had survived so much of life. Traveled this far without being scarred by one of the hard stories the fates wrote so carelessly. In time, we discovered each other's hidden scars. Old wounds buried beneath the skin, embedded near the heart. Julie's parents were tragically killed when she was a baby. It was her grandmother, an herbalist of some kind, who raised her. My father left when I was a teenager. I became reckless and bitter during those formative years. The only piece of him I kept was a watch he gave me on my tenth birthday. It had a scratched glass face and a worn leather strap that left a two-inch gap of air around my thin wrist, even when tightened to the last bolt hole. I wore it every day, until the day he left. My mother raised me strict, homeschooled me during my elementary years, using antiquarian tomes as textbooks. When I turned fourteen, she reluctantly sent me to the public high school. Left too long without peers. I struggled in the school system, a misfit. Meanwhile, my body sang the deep hitching song of puberty, an anti-cancer changing me from the inside out. I hated her for making me different, and as my cells rearranged, that hatred became a deep part of me, growing along with my bones, and just as permanent. Mother wasn't a doting person. Her favorite recitation was along the lines of how I was just like my father. She had different versions of the same phrase, some loud and brash, some whispered and private, but always meant as an insult and always taken as such. When I finally left home, I was sure to throw the line back at her before she could open her twitching lips. I gave her the watch with the worn leather strap as a token of my thanks. Yet somehow, Julie and I persevered through our difficult childhoods, making it to that moment, that night, huddled in the corner of the university cafeteria, perched on the edges of two plastic folding chairs like chittering parakeets, talking for hours while staring into each other's eyes, as if the secrets of the universe lay within. Three years later, I proposed planning it around an annual carnival that came into town at the end of each school term. Julie loved carnivals, loved the escape into daring and magic they offered. Her favorite ride was the merry-go-round, twirling in soft, lazy circles with a concordance of decorative beasts, their hollow bodies rammed through by twisting unicorn shafts into the dimpled steel floors, the baroque mirrored ceilings. We sat in a carriage, staring at the plastic ass of a particularly bright blue steed while sitting on the coarse wool of a Navajo blanket her granny had knitted. When I showed her the ring, she laughed and cried, and we said all the usual things. I was happy, 
and still remember the blur of the carnival surrounding us, the hovering black sky dotted with silent stars creating a perfect backdrop to the swirling colors and sounds. When the ride stopped, she ran to tell the first person she saw, the merry-go-round operator. He was a frail old carny in a frayed ball cap, his long gray hair resting in a twice-bound loose ponytail forgotten down the middle of his back. 